Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and have ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in, in between paths to success. Today's guest is an expert in content repurposing and entrepreneur founding a niche creative and the first content repurposing agency in the world, which I was thrilled to find out about. Um, she helps businesses grow their audience by maximizing the return on their content they create. She works in businesses and brands around the world and is the content repurposing powerhouse behind some of the most well-known podcasts and videos. She herself is a podcaster as well as a an author of a best-selling book, Content Tech. 10x more content, less time, maximizing results. A woman after my own heart, located across the pond in maybe not so sunny England right now. Welcome, Amy. Woods. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, and thanks for such a lovely intro. I feel like I should I should go on a high now after that intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so pleased to have you. And uh, so you're just back from your first content marketing world in Cleveland. I can't believe we missed each other. Although I guess with 1,800 people there, it's uh, it's not necessarily um, surprising that we didn't. I heard your session went really well. What was your first experience like? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I was really impressed with the, um, I guess, like the depth and breadth of the content. So I thought they had some really good tracks. They had some, you know, great speakers, um, great topics, really well organized as well. Um, and also just friendly vibe as well you know I felt like there was a nice friendly vibe um so yeah first time I've been to some big um conferences in the US I used to go to social media marketing world quite often which was of a similar scale I guess and um it definitely felt I guess more akin to to, to my people more the content marketing and not just the social media marketing so yeah really really good really liked it and I've never been to Ohio either so I ticked that state off the uh the list as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typically no no offense to my my Cleveland cronies, but you know, one and done is good. I've personally been there six or seven times, but um yeah, not a big city, but surprisingly fun. Yeah. Um and I hope you enjoyed the, did you get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, your career started with Accenture, one of the the big agencies. I've done my time on uh in the IBM side of, of, of your Accenture world. Um, and then you branch out and you start a business. So, so tell me more about your career path. Um, you know, how did you get to where you are today? It's not a, uh, I guess like a most obvious on paper career path, because I, as you said, I started off at Accenture. So I've graduated from university with a degree in mathematics and management science so went more down the management science side than the math side um and you know started off as a graduate with Accenture with a plan for that to be about two years two to three years learn lots about business and then and then potentially set something up myself and two to three years became 13 years um so I I stayed much longer than intended because it was great I was enjoying it it was a management consultancy is definitely a challenging career but um really interested really varied 13 years but every client project is like a different job in itself so you know it, it kept me interested and um always learning but then that kind of came to an end when I had children really because that was a career that required an awful lot of travel so 
you know, really the expectation is that you need to be available to fly or, you know, travel, get the train somewhere every Monday morning and then come home, you know, Thursday night if, you, if you're if lucky, otherwise you'll arrive back home on Friday and you, you know, that's kind of the expectation. So um, it's very hard to do that when you've got children <laughs> and that's, a, you know, then a decision that you need to make whether you, you know, you want to and to me, it was very hard to be the best management consultant I could be and the best parent that I could be. It was, you know, kind of near on impossible, I suppose. So I kind of realized that it was a career that didn't go hand in hand um, with being a parent and not wanting to travel all of the time as as I didn't want to. So I started thinking about setting up my own business. I didn't really want to do something, go to another employer. I felt it was about time to try and revisit that dream that I had at first and start my own business um so initially I lent into what I know like business consultancy and started something a bit small really just more on the side where I was providing like uh, sort of coaching and online consultation and developed a bit of a online course as well um to helping smaller businesses with with like management side of things business side of things and I discovered um the world of content really so I I suppose I should mention that I went through a a period of ill health so what took me off the corporate hamster wheel was actually being ill so um I had never had even one day off sick in almost my entire career with Accenture but then I was ill after my second child um, and then just had quite a lot of time off because I kept having operations and then the recovery and the next one and things like that. So suddenly had time off. Um, and that's when I got off the hamster wheel and I was learning all about online business and content and just immersed myself in podcasts and, um, you know, video channels and reading all these books and content, content, content. Um, so when I started something, you know, I embraced creating content and trying to build a name for myself and that's when I really loved repurposing content so to me I suppose the management consultant in me loving a system and a process and um, seeing like the opportunity to develop content and then have really good systems and processes in place to make one piece of content go so much further Um, so I was doing that for myself and then had a small team of freelancers that were helping move the different bits the graphics the videos the the copywriting and things like that and I had the I suppose kind of epiphany that this was a service that you could offer people like repurposing content for businesses Um, and then that's when I got passionate I wasn't so passionate about what I was doing and then all of a sudden that idea and then I ran with it. And, and at first, I would never have called it an agency. I would have just said, I've got a content repurposing business. But as I've, I'm five years on now, so, you know, as the business has grown and changed and evolved in who we work with and what we offer, you know, I soon started to realize that I run a creative agency and that is the business model that I have. So, you know, for the last few years or so, very much kind of thrown myself into the agency world of in getting into networks with fellow agencies and understanding a bit more about the run-ins and the economics of an agency so a very um unusual path in terms of in nowadays a very long time with one single employer and one career path management consultancy and then a complete change to being the owner of a creative agency (laughs) so yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, certainly, um, you know, management consulting and creative agency, you don't necessarily, they're not akin, right? So, but I can, I can completely being very much a process and operations type person um, and being able to apply those to just about anything, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where logic people like us, logic-based people like us find our creativity, right? Because it's, it's a Mm -hmm. new different way of applying it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing. I, you know what? I realized I jumped into wanting to learn more about how you got to where you were because it's just, you know, a content repurposing agency. Again, I could totally geek out. We could talk about that for hours on end, but I won't, uh, I won't bore our, our listeners with my geeking out. But I do start all of my, my conversations um, with four core questions. So if you're good, we'll jump into those. Yep. <laughs> Great. So what was the first career you remember wanting to be when you grew up? I mean, I haven't heard of anybody saying, yay, I want to be a management consultant when I grow up. No, I used to want to be a detective. Um, that's what I wanted to be. So I used to uh, love reading all of the books like Famous Five and things like that. And I um, and I loved watching Magnum PI and other programs like that (laughs) and I wanted to be a detective yeah I used to have I used to walk around all the time wearing binoculars and had a notepad in case I needed to note down any suspicious activity on our road and was always trying to solve anything that went on anywhere like missing cats I was on the case um so yeah (laughs) the first thing I remember you know passionately telling people I wanted to be was a uh not a police officer, no, like a detective. That was what I wanted to be. So, <laughs> did you solve any cases? Um, we used to. Uh, we used to. No, I don't think we found a missing cat. We used to be quite have very vivid imaginations, and I think me and my friend would solve imaginary things that we made up, basically. Um, but no, and we used to annoy our neighbours by. Um, letting them know when they'd not paid the tax on their cars and things like that and go knock on the door and let them know and things like that. (laughs) Um, So no, I can't even claim that I had any big major breakthrough of of like solving mysteries, but it was fun nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine your neighbor's reaction with little kids knocking on the door saying, you owe the township money. We used to have the car, I used to have this notepad with the car registration number of every car in our neighborhood. I'd written down like the color car model and where they lived. So that I decided if I ever saw like an armed robbery or something and I saw the getaway car, I would immediately know who that was because I'd written down like who where everyone's cars were from and things like that so yeah I'm sure they were quite suspicious of this 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 girl having such an interest in in everything about them oh that's hilarious so was there somebody that was an influencer in your life that got you I mean famous five magnum pi those are pretty big influencers but was there somebody you remember influencing you whether it was about being a detective or encouraging you that really you know has has helped you come to who you are today I I think um like in terms of career influence in the early stages so so when I was younger um it was probably my father actually um in terms of just helping to guide me in career decisions now he wasn't a detective he was actually a structural engineer so very different but um but I'd say that he was a good influence for me in terms of helping me understand different careers and sort of pros and cons and always being really open-minded and 
challenging me a little bit if I was maybe expressing an interest in something that he didn't necessarily think would be necessarily right for me but um but always being like really positive and kind of helping me hunt down the information that I needed to make my own decision based on facts and things like that so if I was interested in something you know he'd kind of say well let's work out how we could find out more about this and make a good informed decision and things like that so yeah I think I think my father and also just always setting a a good example of being um hard working and like all the kind of I suppose traits that you would expect in someone in a in a role model as you're trying to figure out what you want to be amazing is there a song that epitomizes your career path or one that you're particularly into right now because it motivates you or resonates I a song that I listen to quite often which is quite funny really is Faith by George Michael (laughs) um I really love that song um and you know whenever I'm trying to like raise my spirits and things like that or um just even when I'm in the kitchen making a cup of tea in between you know like podcast episodes or something like that it's a go-to song um because it's upbeat so it always cheers me up and I just like the whole kind of message as well as you you know you've got to have faith in you know what you want to be what you want to achieve what you want to do so yeah uh, that is my sort of go-to song and it has been for many years now um and My Life by Billy Joel as well. So that's the other one. <laughs> George Michael, big fan. So uh, <laughs> good choice. Good choice. Not that you need my approval on that. But now, if your career was a street name, an actual road somewhere, what would it be called? It would be called Innovation Way. <laughs> um, because I think that it's always been about innovation about new things about testing boundaries of trying to be uh, forward thinking of not being you know sort of stuck in a box or we do it that way because that's the always you know the way that we've done it but trying to to innovate and use what is available to do things differently that was the entire sort of mantra of of the career that I had at Accenture every single client I was on and ultimately ended up leading was about innovating and helping our clients to innovate and helping us to innovate and I feel like moving on to what I do now a large part of you know what we do and every day is trying to innovate with um, content and with what we're doing and um, staying on, on top of technology staying on top of trends staying on top of what people want and never resting on your laurels which um you know, it, it doesn't work in the world of, of content marketing, nor did it work in the world of management consulting either. So yeah, I think innovation, innovation way. <laughs> so you mentioned, and I, I related so strongly to what you were saying about your career, about, you know, you go through school and you, you start a career and, and maybe you didn't have a vision of, yes, I wanted to be a management consultant, but, you know, Places like Accenture and and PwC and IBM are great places to go and learn business and and get an opportunity to try different things. Certainly build a very, very strong work ethic because you do not survive (laughs) a year, let alone 13 um, in a place like Accenture unless you're working your tail off every single day. Mm. But it resonated with me when you said it was really when you had your kids that really the penny dropped. So similar to you, I was at IBM. It was, you know, we, we had been, um, 
um, acquired from PwC. So when PwCC, when the consulting business had to break off, that's how I got into IBM. And ironically, I had been at a, I had moved from one firm to another because I wanted to stay with a small consulting firm. It got bought by PwC and then it oh. got bought by IBM. So <laughs> like, yeah, the opposite, <laughs> the complete opposite. Mm. But that too was why I actually went, I, I stepped back from consulting mm. um, and actually went back to internal comms was because, you know, I had, you know, my husband and I had decided to have kids and I didn't want to be away. I didn't want to be my dad. You know, he he was an engineer like your like your dad and he used to go leave either Sunday night or Monday morning and come back, you know, Thursday or Friday. And that was for the first, you know, eight or 10 years of my life. And I didn't want that for my kids, right? I, I wanted to be home. I wanted to be there. You know, reading Harry Potter across a phone line takes a lot of time and is really <laughs> exhausting. And you no. miss something. I always got off those calls sad because mm. I felt like I wasn't there. So I, you know, I, I hear you about wanting to do something different. But I'm curious, is there, you know, from from what you learned at Accenture and, and whatnot, was there something that uh, sort of um, an instigation that said content was it for you and that you wanted to run your own thing? You'd mentioned that I think you had been toying around with wanting to run your own business, but was there something that really a defining moment or decision that really impacted your trajectory to where you are today? I wouldn't say that there was a defining moment. So, um, I was really intrigued and wanting to set something up online. So as I mentioned, I um, when I was, was like not well, that was, was when I first started even hear, understanding what a podcast was. I mean, like I'd, I'd never even heard of podcasts or anything like that. So I, um, I joined this, met like this kind of online, I can't remember what it was, like online marketing membership but it turned out to be a really scammy MLM scheme type thing so but but initially the content was quite quite good till they started trying to get you to sell other people in and then you realize it was an MLM scheme but um but I joined this and there were people in there and they were talking about online business so when I was thinking about setting up my own business so it was when I decided that if I was going to move away from management consultancy, um, what will I do? You know, you take the management consultant out of the management consultancy, what do they do? Um, and so I was trying to work that out. And then I thought, well, it's a good time to try and set something up. I'd love to be my own boss. I'd love to put all the knowledge and everything that I've learned and set something up myself. And wouldn't it be amazing if I could do something online, so have an online business? So I suppose I was in the mind frame of like, I would love to um, see more of my kids. So I guess I was a bit scarred by all the travel as well. So I was kind of just thinking it'd be so cool if I could find a job that didn't require me to travel, uh, sorry, set up a business that didn't require me to travel too much and even didn't require me to commute to an office every day because you could do it online. So I was Googling, you know, how, what kind of online businesses exist and how to set up online businesses and things like that. And when you did that, you found people in the online business content world. Um, I'm not sure if like how familiar like every listener will be, but the names of like Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield and Gary Vaynerchuk. So these people who are quite well known in online business. So I started to just learn from them about, I guess, online business and content marketing came 
quite closely aligned with that because it was talking a lot about blogging and creating content and monetizing content. I suppose that was what a lot of the, the talk was about, monetize your content, and that's an online business. And um, there was a lot of talk about passive income as well. So if you want an online business, then have this blog, get loads of visitors to it, have lots of affiliate links on and sit back and watch the big books roll in. And, um, you know, I soon kind of got wise to that was, you know, like it works for some people, but it's often really, it's just people selling dreams to people of the, of the possibilities of being able to make lots of money from passive income, from content and things like that. So it's kind of getting a bit wise to that. Um, but still a bit fixated of the online business side of things. So I realized that if you are supporting people with content, businesses with content, then, you know, that doesn't necessarily require require physical presence. Um, so perhaps I'm onto something here with an online business related to supporting businesses in some way with content. But yeah, as I mentioned, I think just the the light bulb moment really was I knew that lots of businesses were trying to immerse themselves in being everywhere. So we have all these different platforms and they're being told to do videos. They're being told to do podcasts. They're being told to blog all the time. They're being told to be on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and TikTok and, and they're trying to do it all as well. Um, so that was, I suppose the epiphany was just the fact that I'd realized how good content repurposing could be if it's done really well and how it massively can solve a problem. If you can just create one great piece of pillar core content, you can repurpose that and it will solve the problem of helping you to create different formats and different platform content. Um, And I went to a mastermind. So I had this idea. I thought it was good, but I wasn't really sure. So I invested in going down to this mastermind in London um, ran by someone called Chris Ducker, who is very sort of, I guess, well known in the uh, sort of personal branding space. He helps people build personal brands, thought thought leadership, that kind of thing. He had a podcast, and knew his audience would be ideal for me. So there was about eight people going down to this um, mastermind in London. You had to pay; it was about two thousand or dollars, like about one thousand five hundred pounds, just to spend one day sat at the table with Chris and the team I didn't even have a business at that point I just had an idea but I decided I'd invest I'd go down I had a little set of slides and a little handout to give everyone so we all had one hour and I had my hour and I stood up and I presented my idea they all had businesses and were just coming with business problems and I was this person who came with a business idea instead um which I didn't think Chris realized and everyone in the room said I'd buy it I'd buy it I'm a customer I'd buy it and I didn't think that they were just saying it to please me because it wasn't that environment there was lots of brutal like honest advice given in that room people had paid to get real honest brutal advice so if people thought it was rubbish they would have just said I would not pay for this or da 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 I mean obviously they came up with ideas they were like "Uh -uh, I wouldn't do it that way I'd do it this way and stuff like that and help me a bit but um pretty much everyone in there had businesses that created content and they all said to me, I think this is a brilliant idea. Um, I can see it working. You seem like you know how you would do it. Da, 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 da. And so I suppose I came back from that with just all like, you know, sort of every, like just full steam ahead. Like I'm going to do this now. And, and then I never looked back after that. So I guess I just needed to validate the idea first. So there was no kind of epiphany, but I felt like I was onto something great, validated it. And then I was like, right, I'm away. <laughs> 
Well, that's quite a process. And I mean, to, uh, with a young family to, to take a $2,000 investment, um, that's often a hurdle that many of us can't swallow. Yeah. Right. We, but obviously paid off uh, very well and handsomely in that front um, several years later. So, you know, we talked a little bit about not having balance early in our careers and then starting our own businesses to to find that balance. What does your role look like today? I mean, you're leading a very successful organization. You're, you've got podcasts that's now been running, you know, four years. Congratulations, by the way. I would, any <laughs> tips you. or tricks I'm happy to take on in this early part of my podcasting uh, career or, or journey. But what are some of the challenges, like some of the compromises, and have they shifted con- considerably over time as you've evolved this business from, as you said, started more online, very remotely, and, and now you truly are running a, an agency, which is mm. a very dynamic, ever-changing thing. Yeah, it has. Um, it's kind of, I guess, grown as as we've grown, um, as it got more clients, you know, obviously like built the team and grown as the uh, more clients, more team members and things like that, and just become a lot more mature, you know, kind of, I guess we've grown up as a business. So it started off um, kind of just me, but it was never expected to be just me in terms of it. It, it wasn't kind of like a freelancer turn agency I'm not the creative person so straight off I had um a, a team of two so there was three of us um I was doing all the sales and you know kind of just like everything you need to do to try and get out there and grow a business all the like marketing sales networking getting the clients things like that but they were then de- delivering the service so you know um all the creative side of things and the with the writing and things like that and then as we've got more clients we've grown and grown and grown so now we have you know a writing team headed up by a head of writing there's a creative team head of creative and um three people in that team under her and then we've got like the ops management side of things and project management EA and uh, marketing manager and um, business development and everything so it's kind of you know grown so I guess it's like yeah it's very different challenges it's managing a management team and trying to make sure that they are fully supported in the work that they need to be doing making sure that they're fully supporting the team um very different in terms of when I talk about the team, making sure that we're looking after the well-being of everybody, like making sure that we are offering true careers for people and that we're paying attention to career development and that we're listening to everybody. It's a remote team. So the challenges of keeping everyone motivated and engaged and connected uh, whilst we work remotely and making sure that we factor in um, in-person meetups as well. So it's not completely remote all of the time. Um, and, you know, just like all the challenges are mainly I would say as well as commercial challenges and finding the clients and dealing with financial things and things like that, the biggest challenges always come down to people because what we're selling is the expertise of of people, the expertise that we kind of hire out to the um, companies that we work for packaged up in the way that we sell up our services. And so the business like lives and dies with its people really so finding the right people nurturing the right people developing careers dealing with the issues that come up saying goodbye to the wrong people as well all of those things are the day-to-day challenges now I think that um we have so you know only just this morning had like a couple of hours meeting with my EA where we were just looking through this new well-being program like well-being 
um, I say pro, yeah, kind of program that we're putting together, just where we are listening to everybody and doing focus groups and sessions to get feedback and then making sure that we respond, you know, from everything, from how we communicate to the hours that we work and things like that. General finding, nurturing and retaining talent is the biggest thing. (laughs) Yeah, retaining talent right now is just... Wow. It's so hard, right? It's so competitive right now. Yeah. And it's across industries. I'm, I'm hearing from regardless, whether it's business side consulting, whether it's execution, you know, CPG, it doesn't matter. It's, it's finding and, and retaining the right talent. There, there seems to be this transient vibe that's going on right now, Mm. um, especially with people early in their careers where they're really testing the waters, not only with what they want to do, but the types of orgs that they want to work with. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, to, to invest and build that team to get to, like you said, it's, it's, you have smart people, but it's the people that is your business, not, you know, the actual product that you're selling. Absolutely. And I agree with you in terms of the transient nature and, you know, you, Often when you're looking at a CV, especially for more senior positions, you want to see, you know, sort of loyalty to past employers and a certain amount of time and building a career and things like that. And it, I don't know, it surprises me recently how um, a lot of the CVs coming for the roles at the moment, you know, people aren't staying anywhere for longer than like nine to 10 months. And it's just like hop, 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 hop. And, you know, you're saying we want people who will come and build a career with us and you know, people might say the right thing, but then the CVs kind of show that they never really stayed anywhere for more than 10 months. And how do you judge whether to accept that and just hope that they'll stay for you for longer? Or is it a sign that they're not a stayer? And all those, you know, like like you said, it's a sign of the times. It's not just one or two people. It's nearly everyone that's been coming to us recently hasn't really had a lot of longevity with some of the places that they've been working. So yeah, it's a challenge, like you said, across all industries and um, different verticals and just something to to navigate through. And I think it's starting to calm down a little bit, I think, as well. So hopefully that'll it'll calm down further. Oh, let's hope so. So this has been wonderful. But I'm curious, if you weren't in the content space, you've carved out this space for yourself. It was very purposeful. You went into it, not happenstance. Um, you know, management consulting might have been, you know, oh, this looks like a great job. Let's go learn it. But what you're doing now, this the content space and content repurposing was very purposeful. Mm-hmm. If you weren't in this space, what would you be? Is there something else? I had somebody actually tell me, oh, I would leave everything and go be like the best barista in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd love to like, if if it was like, what do you think would be like your ideal job um, if you could do anything? I'd love to say something like, right, I'm a big foodie, so I'd love to just become some kind of food critic and go and eat at all the Michelin-starred restaurants of the world and and do write-ups on them and things like that. But then I kind of think, but that's leisure and that's pleasure. And if you turn that into your job, then maybe you'd actually lose the the whole pleasure of of the fact that that's something that you enjoy doing outside of work. Um, So there's, there's things like that. But I don't know I'm just kind of it sounds so boring but I am just a, a business person through and through in terms of I love working with businesses to to help them improve I love spotting um kind of like areas that you know a process is broken down or an opportunity to optimize something or a way to change something and just make it better um 
So as boring as it sounds, I think if I wasn't like in the content area, I probably would go somewhere towards what I used to do in terms of working with businesses to just get in there and help them and help them solve problems, but probably just on my terms in a slightly different way. So as, as you mentioned, like kind of not wanting to work with like massive giant big companies anymore, but probably more on a, a smaller scale, but something like that. And if money was no object, um, I'd love to do that pro bono with um, like charities and companies that can't afford um, like, you know, sort of management consultants to come in and help whip them into shape and help them improve and things like that. And then just kind of go in and help really good causes to just operate more effectively and run better so that they're more able to use the resources more effectively to whatever cause um, they're trying to to improve. So I think, yeah, like kind of improving the way that um, really like, you know, great charities and companies work would would um, be something that I'd love to do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hear you there. That's That's next. I work now so that I can take what I know and apply yeah. it to you know, organizations just like that. Yeah. It was funny. I was, I was volunteering yesterday, packing just manual labor, just packing up water safety and personal, oh. personal kits for all of the places in the world right now, including my own country, the East coast who, um, who need the support. And as I was doing it, I could not get away from, okay, if that person would just move out of the way, then this would be more efficient. And if they set up another table and if we move this here, so it was all about process. Oh, we're so the same. We're so <laughs> the same. I had um, I had a part-time job in uh, Calgary at the Calgary Stampede when I was 18. I just went to Canada for a summer and I was on the beef in a bun stand at Nashville North, which was like the music tent. So all we were doing was like slapping all this beef in a bun and serving it to cowboys at three o'clock in the morning. And um, even then I couldn't help myself. Like it was a 10 night, 10 night festival. And on like the third night I'd moved like the layout a little bit so that we weren't walking over each other. So like, why are we doing that? And then they're walking across each other. And then, and, and like, I couldn't help myself even at 18 before I went on this journey of it. Like I was just like, but if we just put this lettuce there instead of there, and if the buns were over, like it would be so much more efficient. And it was so funny. They like gave me some silly award at the end for like, you know, like, sort of making fun of me but also like thanking me that from now on we will always set our kitchen up in that way because it works out more effectively so so funny it's like it it's like um sometimes you wish you could shake it off but yeah always seeing that <laughs> always seeing some way of improving and wanting to help <laughs> yeah I drive my family crazy because if somebody's cooking in the kitchen you're like oh okay you gotta let it go let it go yeah exactly just yeah like relax <laughs> yeah for our listeners, um, maybe particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on, you know, life, career, success, happiness, anything you'd like to share? Um, I think like the best advice would be to not be afraid of um, kind of failure or making mistakes. And half the time, whenever you weigh up, what is the worst thing that could happen here? The worst thing is never as bad as you might think which should often sort of push you forward to make a maybe slightly scary or bold decision that you've been holding back on. So I always do that. You know, I always kind of weigh things up with like, what is the worst that's going to happen? 
um, can I cope with that? Yeah, it's not even that bad. And then I'll kind of make that step forward and do something a little bit scary. So I think that's my best advice, really, to like do things that challenge you and push you, but excite you at the same time. And don't hold back and just stick with what's good at the moment because you're worried about the repercussions. Because more often than not, if, if the worst thing that's going to happen really isn't that bad, then there should be nothing to hold you back. Um. And just remembering, you know, you do kind of only so cliche, but you do only live once and you, you do just have to think if, if not, not now, then when, and when may never come. So, um, just go for it and embrace that the worst thing is still not going to be the worst thing. (laughs) Great. Absolutely great advice. Amy, thank you so much for today's conversation. I feel like I'm talking to a kindred spirit (laughs) and I need clearly to get over to Manchester area so that we can meet face to face or (laughs) find out what conferences and actually (laughs) be in the same place and and have a a cup of of coffee or a cup of tea. To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Mm -hmm. Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy and hearing about how her journey and natural inclination for efficiency and optimization has helped her build an amazing career in content and content repurposing. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Kate Bradley Chernis to hear about her rise to leadership. As always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. I will absolutely include a link to Amy's podcast. And thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Because I got to have